ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of the Summer Sports Spectacular. It's time for episode three, and we're getting into some basketball this time around. That's right. I'm Jordan Lorenz, joined alongside the one and only Drew Skyberg. And Drew, before you open your mouth, I have to issue an apology. Last week, I said Jose Canesco, and, and I didn't even realize I said it at the time. And I listened back, and I was like, whoa. And some, some people drew, they were on my case about it as well, weren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, they were. And I luckily corrected you in the episode. I said, Jose Canseco. So we, we crossed that, crossed that. It's all good now. Um, you know, it, it'll happen. And, you know, we, we're looking at old time games. So again, we, we were like negative 10 years old during that game last week. So you had to cut us some slack, but it, it'll happen, you know? Yeah, we're not perfect. We're far from perfect. And we're no experts, especially on this old stuff today. 1977, 19 or 1987, 1988 NBA season. Let's waste no time. Let's get right into it. This is episode three of the Summer Sports Spectacular. And we watched game seven of the Los Angeles Lakers and Detroit Pistons. But before we do, I got to say our Apple podcast numbers, they're doing pretty well. And our reviews, they're up there. And there, I noticed there was a new review, like one of the written reviews that went up there. It was by this guy named Jordan L Zero. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. And his review said, the best sports show on Monday with a winky emoji. So, I mean, that's a great review. They're throwing and, shade. Yeah. And if you know, you know, right? That's, that's how that goes. So inside joke. subscribe. Yes. Inside joke for sure. Monday sports show. I mean, think about it. Man talk area, huh? Huh? I'll, we'll leave it at that. 26 ratings at the time of this recording. And follow us on there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got brand new logos. I just put a new YouTube banner up as well. Things are looking good. And and let's get right into it, right? That's enough of the plugs. Oh, Instagram. I can't forget about that one. Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. We're still trying to get to 50. 50 is the big number. And we will reveal the entire schedule for the rest of the summer sports spectacular but here 1987 1988 nba season let's get right into it we'll talk about all stars we'll talk about the standings we'll talk about how we got to the nba finals but first there's some notable occurrences and let's get right into it the league awards expansion franchises to charlotte miami minneapolis and orlando so charlotte miami come into play the next season and then Minneapolis and Orlando coming to play two seasons later. Kind of crazy thinking about those four teams and how new they really are. Next up, let's see. The New Jersey Nets had three different head coaches during the season. Drew, can you imagine being a fan of a team and you go through not one, not two, but three coaches during the course of a year? That's crazy. That's got to be like the first time that's happened, like professionals, like in a professional sports team. Like, you know, like three in a season, like that seems nuts. Like, yeah, were they like fired? Like, do we know? I don't know. It doesn't say. I mean, oh. I'm sure we could look into it, but I, there must have been something going on in the back or they weren't doing well or something. But speaking of not doing well, the San Antonio Spurs are the last team in NBA history to lose 50 or more games in a season and still make the playoffs. The Spurs pulled some magic. I don't know how they got it done. We'll get into the playoffs here in a minute. Next up, we've got more stuff from this season, including not one, not two, 
but three teams playing their final seasons at their home arenas. This was the Pistons final year at the Pontiac Silverdome, the Bucks final year at the Mecca, and the Kings final year at the Arco Arena One. So three teams all done with their respective home courts. We should say the Pfizer Forum for the Bucks now is their home, and it's been for the last few years. Beautiful place. I've only been there one time. How about you? Wow. I've been there probably like five, six times. Love it. Really? Yes. The only time I was there was for a Marquette game, actually. So I was at the Brad. You know what? I was only at the Bradley Center one time also. And that was for the Bucks Celtics playoff game. I mean, that's crazy. You missed out. One time there. I really did. I was looking all around at stuff towards the end. And then like just shortly after. That's when they tore the Bradley Center down and Pfizer Forum's there. But enough of that. Let's get to some All-Stars. Drew, you are going to be our special guest reading off the All-Stars this week, aren't you? Yes, I will be. We're going to start with the Eastern Conference All-Stars. So for the starters, we had Isaiah Thomas of the Detroit Pistons, which we'll hear more about him later. We had Michael Jordan, of course, Dominique Wilkins, Larry Bird, and at center, Moses Malone. That's and then a for the stacked one, group right that, there. That is a great group. And that was Moses Malone's 11th All-Star appearance. So good for him. And the Western Conference All-Stars, we had Magic Johnson of the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll hear about more him, of him later. Then we had Fat Lever and Alex English, both from the Denver Nuggets, making starting for the Western Conference All-Stars. We had Carl Malone and that center, Hakeem Olajuwon. So another stacked All-Star starting lineup. And for the... Western Conference Reserves. I'm going to read some notable guys. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 18th All-Star appearance. 18. Yeah. That's crazy to me. And here's your guy, Jordan, James Worthy. I know you're a big fan of him. MVP. Yeah, we'll talk all about it. And then for the Eastern Conference, I got some notable guys on the bench. Danny Ainge, which we talked about in episode 13. We Boston Celtic. Yeah, and then also we have Doc Rivers made his first all-star team, Marquette alumni. So, I mean, that's always cool to see. Talk about another Celtic. Oh, yeah, you and your Celtics. And then Charles Barkley made his second all-star game. And Kevin McHale made his fourth for your Boston Celtics. Might as well call them yours. Might as well, right? And talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 18 appearances. And look at this. He was a reserve, and it was his 18th All-Star appearance. I mean, looking at the Western Conference, there's four, or pardon me, three different guys who made their first All-Star appearance. One was his second, and the rest were third. Kareem stands out so badly. 18 appearances. We'll talk about him in the playoffs. Didn't do a whole lot in Game 7, but, I mean, he's old at this point. When you think about it, we're talking the 87-88 season. We just mentioned him. The other week on our uh, trivia was when he won the MVP six different times. Drew got that one wrong, but Jabbar, what a legend. And this Lakers team was stacked. So let's look at the standings, the final standings here in the Eastern Conference, sitting atop the Boston Celtics. They were three games ahead of the Pistons. And then behind them was the Bulls and the Hawks. The Bucks in the Eastern Conference finished fifth. 42 and 40 on the year. 15 games separating the Bucks at fifth place and the Celtics at one. Now moving to a non-competitive Western Conference. I mean, two, three, and four. 
fighting for it. But the Lakers ahead 62 and 20 on the year, eight wow. games ahead of the Nuggets. Nuggets were 54 and 28. Then the Mavericks and Portland Trailblazers, both 53 and 29. And then the Jazz, six games behind the Trailblazers, really, really just not even close from there. So it leads us right into the playoffs. Let's waste no time. Eastern Conference. Boston beats New York three games to one. Atlanta knocks off Milwaukee three games to two. Chicago and Cleveland go all five games three to two. And then Detroit and Washington go all five games three to two there. Detroit will just stay down here. Detroit knocked off Chicago four to one. Still really not competitive at all. And then Boston, Atlanta go all seven games. The Celtics make it to the conference finals and then lose. Obviously, right? We're talking about Pistons and Lakers. Detroit beats the Celtics four games to two. Now, the Western Conference Lakers sweep the Spurs 3-0. Lakers go all seven games here on out. 24 playoff games, most of all time. I don't know if that still holds up, but this team played a lot. We'll get into it. Utah beat Portland three games to one. Dallas beat Houston three games to one. And then Denver beat Seattle three games to two. Dallas then beat Denver four to two. Lakers and Jazz went on all seven. Lakers came out on top. And then Lakers beat Dallas four games to three. Drew, this Laker team had to be tired coming into the finals, going seven games back-to-back times, and they go seven games again. How did they do it? Well, like you mentioned, they have a lot of firepower on that Laker team. I mean, when you have guys like Magic Johnson just to, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, even though he was he was a very, very old, but... Like James Worthy too, he stepped up. Like you just had guys, I think through this whole that whole series, they just stepped up. Uh, you when you have a coach like Pat Riley, who I know now is the president of the Miami Heat, but like having him as a head coach, he's such a great coach. Both these guys were, and just like last week, I mean, we had the, both the managers of the years. I mean, these guys were like would have with with coaches, they were like the best coaches this year too. And I just feel like with great coaching and great star power, they were able to just fight through. Oh, yeah, they did, and we'll talk about it here. But before we do that, I just looked up. So Kareem was born in 1947, so he would have been 41 years old at the time of these finals. So, I mean, that's that's up there for Kareem, and he was a key part of this Lakers team. But James Worthy really took over. Let's get into it, though. Game one, Pistons beat the Lakers 105-93, to 12-point win there. Game two, 108-96, Lakers get the win over Detroit, where they had six or 26 points in that game. Game three, Lakers beat the Pistons 99-86, leading scorer there, Isaiah Thomas, and he's going to be a big talking point in game seven. 28 points for Thomas, Lakers now up 2-1, Pistons blow them out in game four, 111-86, really not even close in game four. Game five, Pistons come out on top. Once again, they're sitting pretty. 104-94, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar led both teams in scoring. 26 points wasn't enough. Lakers, they're down. They're down in the series, but they win game six by a point. Isaiah Thomas put up 43 points, and it wasn't enough. 103-102, Lakers get the win by a point, and here we are. Game seven, Drew. First impression, turn the game on. This was an NBA TV version, I have to say. So they skipped like a minute or two. 
toward the end of quarters and times that didn't matter, but still turning the game on right away, would you think? I was disgusted because not because the game it was 80s basketball it's great but we had the same issue we did last week no scoreboards because it's old-timey stuff so there's no scoreboards they occasionally show it on the screen but like it's so annoying because you don't have the timer always like you can't see the clock no shot clock it's like oh yeah and when they put the scoreboard up the time wasn't even on it only in like the last minute or so did they put the time on it yeah, and like they occasionally, yeah, like you said, the last minute or so. So it shows they're able to put it on there like the whole time. If they do it for the last minute, they just didn't. It's like, why? And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the play-by-play. I thought, I thought, I mean, the color guy was um, very interesting to say the least. Which they were old. Billy Cunningham, which I mean, you could tell he's old. He was, he would just mention like random, random thoughts he had like at random points of the game. It just, I don't know. It was an authentic experience for him, at least. Like, at least for yeah. us, too. For old school, for sure. Dick yeah. Stockton did the play-by-play, and we had a theme. Jack Buck, Final World Series. Uh, Keith Jackson, was that the first guy's name? Yep. Yeah. yeah, Keith Jackson, his final college playoff. But no, Dick Stockton's last NBA final appearance was in 1990. So our streak ends of it being the final game for play-by-play guys. Let's get right into it. Barry. Very slow start to this game. Both teams missing early. Lakers finally get themselves a 2-0 lead, and I think it's very early on. First two, three minutes in the game. I know Billy Cunningham mentioned it as well, but Isaiah Thomas was really favoring his ankle. He was hobbling around, and, I mean, he had himself a very good first half, but I think, Drew, right away we could tell something wasn't right with Isaiah. Yeah, when we saw Isaiah, he was really, like, he wasn't the same speed either. He just looked... He was limping, and it's just like right from the start, you're like, oh, boy, they they need him. They are going to need him down the stretch. And like you mentioned, he, he played the first half fairly well, and, like, they sat him in, like, the third, I believe. And, like, we'll, we'll see, like, what happens when you don't have Isaiah Thomas on the court. Bad things happen, and that's that was a theme of this game, I believe. Yeah, and they, he just scored, what did I say, 43 points or something in game six, so they could have certainly used him. And we saw right away, just not looking good, especially after halftime when you sit and that thing's going to stiffen up if you're not running on it. He had a few good fast breaks and stuff where he was looking well, still hobbling, but he was doing the best he could. And both these teams were not doing well. One of six start from the field for the Pistons, one of four for the Lakers. Then we had a game of runs. The Lakers jump out, 5-0 run. They're up 7-2. Then the Pistons counter with an 8-0 run and they are 10-7 lead in this game. They were leading 10-7, even though they shot one of eight from the court. And after that was before the run, I should say. After the run, they were 6 of 11. So they really turned it around. And right after the first quarter, Drew, what do you think? And it's tough to tell. Pistons had the momentum, but it's tough to tell who's going to come out on top and who had the advantage. Yeah, and I thought I was really liking how the Pistons were playing defensively. I thought Coach Chuck Daly did a really good job with his team. Active hands, and you saw Joe Dumars, you saw Adrian Dantley was really getting to the rim, which I think he had a, he played really, really well this game. And he was just he was able to slither through contact, and he was able to get to the line. He had eight free throws this game he attempted, which was great to see. And he, he really stepped up, and I thought the first quarter really showed him being aggressive i mean he got a couple offensive fouls but other than that i thought them attacking the rim and being aggressive on defense and forcing fast breaks was a was a common theme we saw this first half 
first quarter. I'm glad, well. I'm glad you mentioned Dan Lee. 34 points in game one led both teams, and 27 in game four led both teams. So we knew Isaiah Thomas down. Someone was going to have to step up. Dan Lee was doing phenomenal, and he did a good job right away to start this game. Now we get to the second quarter, and guess what? Dennis Rodman is here. Just his second season in the league. I totally forgot he was even on the Pistons. It was a pleasant surprise to see him in this game. And my next note, James Worthy is a beast. At this point in the second quarter, pretty early on, Worthy has 13 points. The rest of the team has 12. This is the James Worthy show. Anything you want to say about this guy early on? Yeah, he he was good at done offensively, defensively. I mean, he he played so well this game and he finished with a triple double even. So to top that off, I mean, that that's nuts. And like he was scoring, he was getting to the rim. He was getting in one, he was converting and ones. He was, had the mid range game going. It was just, I don't know. That was just incredible performance. That was the first ever triple double in a game seven. And James Worthy got it. And that was the first and only triple-double of his career. I mean, what a time to have one. Game seven really steps up. But this next play, illegal defense is the call, and it results in a technical foul against Detroit. At this point, I was like, what is going on here? Illegal defense? Please, Drew, explain and make some sense out of this. I remember from the last dance a little bit about them talking about this because like, Hey, they remember, I remember before the 2001 and 2002 season, you could not play zone defense. Zone defense was illegal. And if it would, if the offense was found by an official or they saw it and they would first, you give a warning. So actually both teams got a warning this game. Both teams had the, it happen. Did they get and, a warning? Yep. The first time you get a warning. And then the second time, is a technical foul and the team shoots a free throw. So both times, actually, Isaiah Thomas was caught on this offense is what I, I saw. Yes, and I believe so. what would happen was instead, like, he would come, like, magic Magic's posting up. Joe Dumars is usually the thing. Joe Dumars is, like, six inches short of the Magic Johnson, and Isaiah's kind of, like, lurking on the side, like, waiting either to, A, go up and try to, like, go double-team him, or, B, um, try to, like, pick off a pass and – you can't send a zone. So the official noticed it. They called a legal defense and uh, yep. The violation occurred. And I'm so glad they changed it because like, was we saw the offense that makes you play so much different offensively and defensively when, when defenses can't like go set up in a zone. And I don't know. I just, I thought it was a different, really different basketball. Yeah, it was. You definitely could notice too, but defense just has to change. I mean, it's not really something I guess you think about at the time since you know it's illegal, but now knowing what we see all the time, I mean, you need a help side guy down there. It's not like Isaiah Thomas on one leg and much shorter than Magic Johnson was going to do a whole lot anyways, but still, if Magic decided to dish it out, he could get a hand in there and tip that ball, but that's not how it worked back then. I am very, very glad that rule is not a thing anymore because can you imagine high school basketball with no zone defense? Like some of these kids would be completely changed their career. So let's move on. Second quarter Pistons only made three quarters in the past six minutes. This was about five or six minutes into the second quarter, but they led 36 to 35. I don't know how they're doing it, but Lakers turnovers with Lakers turnovers was certainly one of the big things here. 
Oh, for sure. And like, I hate to pick on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's a legend, but he made some really bad decisions that second quarter. And Billy Not Cunningham, game. Billy Cunningham, straight up said Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is gonna might cost them this game. And I was, I mean, he wasn't wrong, but that was a bold thing to say on national television on CBS. And he said it, and he was right. I mean, I'm gonna go into some the stats. Kareem finished with four points and. He had five fouls and three turnovers. So, I mean, just that alone with two for seven shooting. I mean, he really didn't step up in this game, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But, um, yeah, he was a big reason the second quarter was so lopsided for the Lakers, and it was all all Pistons. Yeah, I've gotten the nice third quarter notes. It says Kareem finally, in all caps, gets his first points. But we got to finish second quarter. Pistons. Basically ended the quarter on a 12-3 to run. Tons of fast breaks, including one from Isaiah Thomas, who did all he could to get down the court. Pistons up at the half, 52-47. And it says the team leading at halftime has won every game this series. And at this point, we're at halftime. Did you think the Pistons, they're in line to win this game. They were playing well. Oh, yes, they were. And I I think, I thought, yeah, or... They certainly have a shot to win. I thought the Lakers had a shot too. It was just a good back and forth game. And right away, I heard the announcers mention that Lakers are known for their big third quarters. And boy, they were right. Oh boy, right out of the gate coming up. There was a hard foul on Worthy in the first minute or so, but I think it just motivated them even more. The Pistons knew what they were doing. Bad boy Pistons. And here they are trying to get Worthy out. It didn't work. If anything, it did the opposite. The Lakers had all the momentum right away in the second quarter an 18 to 3 run you want to talk about changing a game and can we mention this crowd for a minute drew this crowd was on fire they loved every single second of this and kareem got his first bucket as we mentioned before there were a ton of missed free throws in not just in the third quarter but in the game in general i mean the pistons missed eight free throws and they were down 10 points at the end of the third quarter. So you put those free throws in right there. This is a two point game, but the Pistons not doing much. The Lakers were doing everything 10 of 10 shooting to start the quarter. I mean, this was just from the second quarter to the third, completely different Laker team. Yeah. We saw a different Laker team that in that third quarter, Pat Riley rallied up those troops in the, at halftime and uh yeah they they just really shot lights out to start like you mentioned and james it was the james worthy and byron scott show of that third quarter it felt like because byron scott really got it going he finished with 21 points in the game and he scored a good chunk of those points in the third off some fast breaks he, he had an and one he got some layups and like he was just he was just slashing getting to the rim and they they had no, they couldn't do anything about it lambier was in foul trouble he had to sit some time and that the Lakers took a lot of advantage of it. Quite a few guys in foul trouble. And Scott's a guy I hadn't really heard a whole lot about, but this was a huge game for him. Did it feel like a long third quarter to you? I don't know why, but it felt like this thing lasted a long time. Yeah, I think I think with all the free throws, I think that really played an influence on that because I felt like there's a lot, a lot of free throws in that third quarter. Like yeah, the first the first half was easily uh shorter than the second half, but I mean that's usually how it ends up sometimes especially when it's a close game down the stretch like it was. The announcers also, and on the scoreboard, it said period instead of quarter for everything. So it was the first period, 
second period, third period. I mean, it didn't really bother me, but it just kind of stood out. Like definitely not used to seeing that. I know it's an old school thing to call it periods, but there it was the Lakers up by 15 points right away in the fourth quarter. They were doing some great, great things, keeping momentum on their side. Let's go down to it. Four minutes to go in the game. Lakers are up by six points, but we mentioned foul trouble. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, both of which have five fouls. I'm not exactly sure how many points Magic Johnson had at this point, but I mean, it's not like he was up there with Worthy or anything like that, but he's still a big part of this team. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, five fouls, three minutes, nine seconds to go. Lakers are up 98-94. Then Pistons come back. It's 98-96, under three minutes now. Just under two and a half. Lakers get another bucket. 196 Pistons counter right away 198 we're at the two minute mark and the Lakers get another bucket 102 to 98 about a minute 45 left to go and then 33 seconds comes off the clock before the Pistons make their next shot it's 102 to 100 and Dennis Rodman picked up his fifth foul that was such a bad foul they he put him on the line I mean do you remember that he just, yep. It was so like it was, it was under like it was when they're inbounding after they scored, and instantly he he like he didn't try to foul, of course, but but ugh, it was so obvious, and it was like why, and that that just that was a big part, turning point in this game. I thought, he, yeah, Dennis Rodman had one heck of a second half, though. I mean, we got to give the guy credit. Ever since he came in in the second quarter, took a while to get going, but he was doing great things. And like I said, it's crazy to watch this dude play knowing obviously what we saw in the last dance, but just not him with the crazy hair. He didn't really even have an attitude yet at this point. He was just playing hard. He was playing physical. He wanted the Pistons to do well. Only one free throw was made. So we talked about missed free throws before. It's 103 to 100, a minute 14 to go, and the Pistons are on a run. They have outscored the Lakers 21 to 9, but they miss now once but twice Pistons go down, miss a shot. Lakers get the ball back. Pistons get it back and miss again. So they have to fold. They have no choice. It's 105 to 100 with 30 seconds to go. And the Pistons turn the ball over again. But the Lakers somehow missed both their free throws. Do you remember who was at the line with 20 seconds left? Oh, I don't. I'm not sure. I, uh, it wasn't I, magic, was it? No, it wasn't. It no, was... I don't I don't remember. I should have wrote it down. But 20 seconds to go. Both free throws were missed. Pistons get a shot. So we've got 16 seconds left, 105 to 102 at this point. You could see the security piled up by the scorer's table. I mean, there was security all over the place. And it was wild. Lakers only make one free throw. At their next go around, we got 14 seconds left. Pistons down by four, and a three-pointer is good. Bill Lambeer for the three. That was awesome to see. I just sorry, I love that. Love that man. Sometimes, no. except his attitude, I don't like. <laughs> Eight seconds left. Huge three-pointer, but like I said, Pistons don't have any timeouts, and they give up a breakaway dunk, a fast break, so easy for the Lakers. Up by three. Two seconds to go. Pistons get the ball. Did you think there should have been a foul called in that final second? 
Okay, so my view on that is, yeah, but you don't call it there. And the reason being is because, did you see, like, the fans? They're already on the court, like, oh, in the back. they were already oh, there. Like, like, how are you going to – how is the official going to be able to make – make that judgment call while there's already people on the field or on the, on the court, it would have been just an absolute disaster and it it sucks. But like, I don't, I don't think that could have made the call and like, and made the situation like in that situation. You know what I mean? Correct. I I'm the same way. I mean, it was a foul blatantly. It was a foul, but you're down by three with one second left. Fans are already on the court. Like you're saying, sure. You could get them pushed off, but how much of a difference is it going to make? I mean, if he makes the first free throw and intentionally misses, what are the chances that they're able to get the offensive rebound and put it back up and in to send it to overtime? I've seen it, though, in a football game one time. They sent, like, everyone everyone was going to the locker room at halftime, but, like, they called a flag or something happened, and they brought them all back out for a second just to kneel it down. I don't know what game it was or when. I've seen it happen before. It doesn't hear the Los Angeles Lakers have won back-to-back NBA championships. And like you said, that, oh my goodness, that image at the end of the game where they storm the court, absolutely beautiful. I mean, we've done it in the high school before at games and just get screamed at, but there is nothing you can do at this point. The Lakers, Drew, have won the NBA championship. Yes, they did. And I just, I want to shout out the Detroit Pistons. I They put up a great fight for having, like, no, pretty much no Isaiah Thomas the second half. And guys on the bench, like you mentioned, Dennis Rodman stepped up. John Sally had 17 points with six for nine shooting off the bench. And he was really an unsung hero. Finished with 17 points, the second lane scorer of the team. And I thought, yeah, he stepped up. Dumars played Magic the whole game very well. Magic only had 19. But granted, he only he shot six for nine which is still great. Uh, Kareem, we talked about poor game for him. Michael Cooper made some shots off the bench for them, finished five for 13 with 12 points. And then also, I I mean, I got to talk about him again. James Worthy, how much more can we say about him? We could say a lot because 36 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, two steals. Jordan, what'd you think? Oh man, I did not expect him to step up like he did. I mean, NBA finals MVP, He put this team on his back right from the get-go. You could see this man is one that the Pistons need to stop, and they just couldn't do it. Triple-double, I need to say it again, the first ever triple-double in Game 7 and the first and only of his career. If there is ever a time to step up, James Worthy did everything right, and this game, it's all but over. 108-105, Lakers get the win. Let's go to some stat leaders. For the year. So, through all the teams who led in points per game, Michael Jordan, of course, 35 he averaged as a member of the Chicago Bulls. Michael Cage, 13 boards a game, and the one and only John Stockton, 13.8 assists per game. Michael Jordan drew. You're going to read some awards, aren't you? Jordan dominated. Of course he did, Jordan. Speaking of uh, the better Jordan, Michael Jordan won MVP. You're telling me Michael Jordan's better than me? You know, I mean, he did win. He did win a lot of MVPs, and he did easily win this MVP over Larry Bird and Magic. So, I mean, oh, yeah, it wasn't even come close. On. Come on. And then for rookie of the year, Mark Jackson of the New York Knicks, and then defensive player of the year, Michael Jordan yet again. And then in second, Mark Eaton, which he recently passed away. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, and Michael Jordan. Keep in mind, he's only twenty-four years of age at this time, so we got a young 
young Michael Jordan, the more of the slashing defensive one, like the really athletic one who could just dunk, who did the free throw line dunk, I believe, around this time. And yeah. Yeah, it might have been was, a year, year or two later, but still it was around this time. And Michael Jordan, I must say, he becomes the only player in NBA history to win both the scoring title and defensive player of the year honors. He is also the only player in NBA history to combine these awards with the season's MVP. We're talking about a young Michael Jordan at this point. That was just crazy how good the kid is. I can call him a kid at this time because that's what he was. And I also wanted to mention all NBA first team, all NBA second team, not a single Detroit Piston player on either of them. Magic Johnson is on the all NBA first team. No no, can you believe that we are seeing no Pistons on either team and no James Worthy? Um, I, I'm surprised about Worthy, you know, but he's more of a big game guy, we know. But um, what really surprised me was with the Pistons thing. And I think that just goes to tell like how well coached they were and how like how each player on their team does that role, does the role and they do it very well. And I think that's just a really good, really just fundamentally sound basketball team. I think that's really what the Pistons were. And when you have that, you're not going to see a lot of first team, second team, and a lot of guys get accolades. And I, we didn't. No, I I mean, Isaiah Thomas, you could give an argument for him to get on there, but he didn't. And it was Doug Moe of the Nuggets who won coach of the year. So I found that intriguing. And wrap things up, let's talk about the rivalry, right? Let's talk about the Lakers and Pistons, what they've all done in the postseason, because there is a lot. Let's go back to 1950 in the Central Division. The Lakers win two games to zero. 1953 Western Division Finals. Lakers win three to two. Lakers win two nothing in the 54 Western Division Round Robin. Can you imagine a round robin playoff format? I would love it. I can't imagine it in today's day and age. No, I would. I would love it. Of course round so. robin. Then they met in 55. So in 53, 54, and 55. They did battle. Finally, the Pistons win in 55, 3-1. 57, Western Division semis, Lakers win 2-0. 59, Western Division semis, Lakers win 2-1. 60, Western Division semis, Lakers win 2-0. 61, Western Division semis, Lakers win 3-2. 62, Western Division finals, Lakers win 4-2. So 1953, 1954, and 1955, they played each other. Then they played each other in 59, 60, 61, and 62, and then they play each other in the 88 and 89 NBA Finals. I want to talk about two teams who knew each other well. Obviously, the Lakers, we know, won the 88 Finals, four games to three. But the next year, the Pistons sweep them four games to zero NBA Finals sweep. And then in 2004, the NBA Finals, the Pistons win four to one. So Lakers definitely have the advantage. But Pistons coming out on top there at the end in 1989 and 2004 drew anything else to say about this game seven or the rivalry in general no i thought this game seven was actually it was a very good game seven i mean it was not as good as last week's but i i thought it was still a great game seven to see back and forth i mean basketball is a game of runs and that's how it always is and that's what we saw today it was great Great basketball game. I was excited. Basketball is kind of our bread and butter in a way almost, or at least it is mine. It's always been my favorite sport, even though I'm not the biggest NBA guy, but that's whatever. I love watching old games like this, especially in NBA, just so you can see how times have changed with everything, just the way they play, the way they run their offense, set up their defense, all of it. 
It's so beautiful. And let's move to next week. Summer Sports Spectacular, Episode 4, Super Bowl 7. I'm not even going to look up what teams are in it, because if I do, I'm probably going to see the results, and that'll make me mad. But Super Bowl 7, do you have any idea what we're in for next week? No idea. Me either. I'm excited. Super Bowl 7, and I believe oh boy. Well, it's an earlier Super Bowl, the second one that we do. I won't spoil it, but I believe it's one earlier than Super Bowl 7. So that wraps it up. Episode 3 of the Summer Sports Spectacular. My new microphone held up. Hopefully it sounds well. I mean, you'll have heard it in episode 14 as well this past Monday. So that's that. What a wild game. What a wild ride for the Lakers down early or they were up early then they were down then they put up a big run. Pistons come back. Nope. Lakers stop it. Get the win. Drew, shout yourself out on this fine Wednesday podcast. Sir, you can always add me on Instagram, Drew Skyberg, D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. Don't forget our Instagram as well, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. And I'm Jordan Lorenz, Jordan Law underscore PXP on Twitter. And that's basically it. I got, I lost a follower. I was at 40 because last week I said how I've been at 40 for a while. Now I'm at 39. So that's a bummer. We need to get Oof. that back up to 40. I don't, I don't know who's unfollowing. Why would you do that? I mean, I put out some quality content, but that's it. That is it for this episode. Episode three of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, summer sports spectacular, the perfect podcast for you.